This is the CEO and the president of Shane Taylor Promotions, the baddest of all time, Shane Taylor, and you are listening to Wrestling With A Bear. I am Chris Rex, and for the last 10 years, I have been traveling up and down the roads as an independent professional wrestler. I have had the opportunity to train, work with, and share locker rooms with some of the best who ever stepped foot inside of the squared circle. My co-host is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. Born outside of Lyon, France, he moved to Texas at the age of four, and his love of sports has led him to become a sports journalist with eight years under his belt. Together, we mix my knowledge and experience as a professional wrestler with his research and raw journalism to bring you an educated and unique view of professional wrestling. This is Wrestling with a Bear. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling with a Bear. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Rex, and with me today we have Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear Man of Texas, and my best friend and former tag team partner. He is the host of all hosts, John Pun. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing exceptionally well. So excited to be here, gentlemen. Exceptionally well. I love your vocabulary, Bear Man. But, oh, you're so sweet, Chris Rex. Your best friend. Oh, you will always be my best friend. Uh, our main topic today, which is going to be more towards the end of the show, is the recent passing of the legendary Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon. And um, I, I, I think it would be better to close the show, but we did want to give our condolences to Scott Hall and his friends and family. Um, he was very influential on the business. Again, we'll be talking more about that later on in the show. And it's just uh, unfortunate that uh, one of our childhood heroes, uh, is gone. Um, anybody want to speak on that before we get into the show? Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Yep, yep. I just want to send my condolences to his family. You know, I think we will talk about everything, you know, in depth later on. No doubt. All right. So starting off, we have the big win. From Thunder Rosa, she is the new AEW Women's Champion, finally defeating Britt Baker after what is a year-long chase. Ooh, yeah. She deserved it. You know, she's worked her ass off. She finally got it, and, you know, it's well-deserved. There's really not much you can say. She fucking bust her ass day in, day out, week in, on every dynamite there is. She's been killing it. Bleeding every other week, you know, every big show, she's busted, busted open. She's, she's working harder than half the guys in that locker room. You know, honestly, we remember the match that she had with Britt Baker. You know, that picture, you know, Britt Baker's case, that that bloody picture, that became iconic. It's even on a t-shirt. It had to end in a steel cage. The way it did, it had to end this way, and there was no better way to settle it. And you guys know me, how I love and I'm a strong supporter of women's professional wrestling. And I'm a huge fan of Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. My God, one hell of a match. And it was in San Antonio in Thunder Rosa's adopted hometown. Again, the best way to get it done. 
See, I like the storytelling, the old school storytelling here. Uh, the year long chase. Um, and then finally the big payoff in the big blow off match, a steel cage match. That's when a gimmick match should be. Uh, that's when a gimmick match should be, you know, uh, done. Is at the end of a feud to blow it off, and this was a perfect feud to do that in. After the interference from Hater and uh, what uh, what what's her name? Reb Reba? Rebel. Reba. Uh, Reba. Someone. Reba. Something like that. Reba Rebel. Uh, whatever <laughs> her name is. After the interference from uh, Britt Baker's goons, you know, now it's a steel cage match. No one can get in. There's only one way out. And like Punch said, she's been bleeding and every every other week. And the lights out match, like you said a year ago, I mean, it, it, it was a perfect, perfect way for her to win the belt in Texas. Absolutely. I do have a question, though, gentlemen. Where does Britt Baker go from here now that her reign is over? She's still the number one woman in the company. No matter how you look at it, she's still their number one girl. And she's not going anywhere. She'll get the rematch. She'll probably lose the rematch. And she'll move on to some other storyline. Somebody will probably screw her out of the storyline. Maybe one of one of her partners turns on her. Whatever, whatever it may be. But she's not going down the card. She's not going down the ladder, down the totem pole at all. Red Baker's their number one girl, no matter if she has the belt or not. I I, I agree with Pun. Uh, I don't see her going anywhere. She's going to chase the belt for a little bit. She's going to chase the belt. She's going to be un unsuccessful. Maybe she'll get a, 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 a victory, get the belt, and then, you know, lose, you know, keep something to keep the feud going a little bit longer, get more money out of it, get more juice out of it, and then she'll move on to, to other keep, things. Keep her here, and she blames the girls for her not getting the belt back. And she, she leaves... She leaves them behind and gets into a rivalry with them. Some shit like that. Turn them face. She blames them. You know, blah, blah, blah. She's in the perfect position to bring up now some, one of the new girls or a, a rookie or something. She's in that chance now, in that platform now. She lost the belt. Now she can help bring up another talent and elevate another talent to where she was. I mean, at the end of the day, that's how it should be done. Amen. It doesn't matter if she wins or loses. She's going to be at the top of the game. The fans love her. She's over with the fans. Yeah. Well said. Our next topic is the unfortunate neck injury of Big E Langston. Um, the, I was actually, I actually, fun's going to laugh at this. I fell asleep during SmackDown. I fell asleep on the couch. And uh, so I, I like right before that match, I fell asleep. So I didn't, I didn't see it. I'm, uh, I, my brother told me that I missed the bump. Like I looked away, and, and when I turned back to the TV, the suplex was already done, and he was on the floor. So I missed it. Yeah, I I missed the bump too. When I seen it on on, uh, I think I seen it on Facebook or Instagram, and I was like, ooh, that like, ouch, like. I, I mean, I hope he recovers from this, and he's not a, another tragedy. You know? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. An another another talent. What what could have been if they didn't be get injured? You know. No, yeah, but from what the reports are saying, the break it's the the round ring in his neck, and that never heals properly, and it looks like his career is over. 
And the rumors backstage is Ridge Holland is getting the dirt, the dirt treatment in the locker room. So it's, it's mean, not looking good. It wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't purposely done. Of course not. It was an, a freak accident. You know, it happens in wrestling. Unfortunately, it happens in wrestling. And I mean, I, I, I don't like to point fingers and blame people because then it brings me back to the whole Mysterio thing. When um, when everyone was saying that Mysterio killed the guy, he didn't. You know, it, it was a freak ass shit happens in wrestling. We all know what we get into when we step into that ring. Unfortunately, it happened to a fucking good guy like uh, Big E. And I applaud how positive he's been since. It's been a week and he's just still so positive about it, you know. That power of positivity thing was no gimmick for him, you know? Absolutely. Gentlemen, I'll be honest with you. When I saw it, it scared the hell out of me. Not, I'm not kidding you. Like, I saw it, I just nearly fell out of my chair. Because it, it scared me that bad. <laughs> well, I'm sure it wanted to. But I did look it up, and he, he did say that he mentioned, yeah, it's a fracture to his C1 vertebrae as, as well as the C6 vertebrae. But he did actually say that there's no ligament or spinal cord damage. And he said that there would be no surgery required. But still, a broken neck is dangerous. And, and that, that alters it. You know, you're not, you're not going to be the same. Well, I I do wish him a, a speedy recovery, and I hope to see him back in the ring. Um, it seemed like he's been up and down. Like it, they'll push him, and then they'll put him back down. They'll push him, then they'll put him. Uh, they'll put him back down. I mean, I if he does come back, I would hope that he gets some sort of push, and, and you know is given some sort of you know. I guess payback in a way, you know, like because it's like he risks his he risks his life for the company, mm-hmm. for the fans, for the company, for the talent. Yeah. What do you guys think that this is going to lead for Kofi Kingston? Xavier's hurt. Big E's hurt. Is Kofi going to get lost in the shuffle, or are they going to put him back in the main event scene? Um, unfortunately, because of history. Um, I don't think they're going to push Kofi. And if they do, it's going to be the same thing, a short run. You know, unfortunately, he has that that fucking thing with the company. I don't know the right word to use with it. He has that, like, history with the company. Again, like Big E, they push him, and they bring him back down. And they push him, and they bring him back down. Uh, it, and unfortunately, I don't see I I want to. I I'm not saying I don't want to see that happen. I'm saying I don't see it happening in the immediate future. The best way to describe how you say he gets pushed, he gets back down, that's what I like to call the mystery cycle of professional wrestling because you just don't know what's going to happen. That is true. That is true. I, I happen to agree with Chris. I think he's going to get lost in the shuffle. He's going to have a, a job no matter what. He's already been there damn near 20 years. So, I mean... I, I don't think they're going to use him to his fullest potential with now both of his partners being gone. Pretty much the new day is now pretty much done. It's a new day for the new day. That's for sure. I hope, I hope you know, we still see him on TV weekly. I hope they don't just, you know, take him off because they have nothing for him. 
hope they figure something out. Well, we're on the road to WrestleMania. April 1st and April 2nd, the most stupendous WrestleMania. <laughs> and a match that definitely has me hype because I didn't think it was going to happen. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kevin Owens at WrestleMania in Dallas, Texas. Isn't it supposed to be a KO show? It's, from what they're advertising, it's a KO show. It's not a match. It's probably going to start out as this, but it's probably going to lead to a match. I think Austin's just going to beat his ass. I, I am hoping it's a match. The way they're like promoting it, like how he called out Kevin Owens. I mean, Kevin Owens called out Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then Stone Cold the next day responded like he's coming to kick his ass. And that was like a WrestleMania hype. Like, oh, yeah. yes, this is happening. That's why I said Austin versus Owens at WrestleMania. I I may be mistaken. It might just be a KO show. I don't know. We saw the, we saw the promo he cut when he got out of the truck, how he mentioned his last WrestleMania match, three rock bottoms, and then he lost. So that kind of flirts the idea that a match is coming because he does not want to end it with a loss, his last match being a loss at WrestleMania. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a squash too. I think, you know, it's Austin. They're going to, it's going to be a, a squash no matter how you look at it. You really think Austin's going to go out on, on, a, on a squash? No, he, he's better shape. He's in better shape than he's ever been. With all the shit talking Kevin Owens has been doing to Texas, you think he's going to have any type of offense? Austin's going to whip his ass in Dallas. That's what I see. I see Austin whipping his ass. Maybe it's a little mark in me, but I, I'm hoping for, for a fucking, for a match. You know, not, not a fucking squash, uh, like a WrestleMania match. Stone Cold Steve Austin in the best shape he's ever been in. Okay, probably can fucking run circles around fucking Kevin Owens, even at his age. And they're going to fucking pull off a WrestleMania fucking moment and a WrestleMania match. That's what I, the mark in me is, is hoping for. Yep, that is the mark in you. I can't wait. And uh, speaking of WrestleMania, pun, it looked like Cody Rhodes didn't show up on Raw like everyone's saying. Um, but you were talking before we went on air about Cody maybe still showing up to WWE. Yeah, us possibly being wrong last week, you know, they're still dropping slight hints on Raw when you're watching Raw. And, you know, I, I'm thinking Seth Rollins may be getting a Cody Rhodes match. You know, I think that's what this whole thing is going to lead up to. And they're not going to announce Cody Rhodes is there until that day, until Seth Rollins is in the ring. You know, it, it's going to be on the hush-hush. Until then... They're going to let the dirt sheets say whatever the dirt sheets want to say. Oh, he's coming. Oh, he's not coming. Oh, he's coming. But he's going to come when Seth Rollins is in the ring. That's when it's going to be official. Just like at WrestleMania 33 when the Hardy Boys made their unannounced, you know, return. Get out of my head, Bear Man. Get out of my head. I agree with you, but then where does Cody go from there? If he does show up at WrestleMania, and like we were all thinking that Hardy Boys hush-hush fucking um, spot, um, where does Cody go from here? Like, 
we were talking last week about why go back to the company that pretty much did you wrong and you started an empire, your own empire. Why go back? He goes right to Brock. Brock Lesnar beats Roman Reigns and it's going to be Cody Brock. That, that, that's the only thing you can do with him. You don't think they're going to do Cody Roman? That's a possibility, but I don't see Roman. Um, Roman can win. You know, it could go either way. But you can't bring Cody back and just have him in, in the mid card. You can't after what he's built for himself. You can't just have him in the mid card. He's got to go right to the top. Pun. Pun. We know wrestling. We know we, wrestling. And it, after the hype, after the after the few months hype, where is Cody gonna end up? In the mid card. <laughs> <laughs> It happens all the time, and it's not a knock to Cody Rhodes and his talent. It's just, again, the same thing we were just talking about with, Co- with uh, Kofi Kingston, the repetitiveness yep. of, okay, here's the hype. We're going to use the hype. And once we get that initial hype, there is no continuing the hype. It's, okay, the hype's done, so you're done. What if the Cody Rhodes thingy is a one-night-only thing? He only wrestles Seth Rollins for one night, and then he's done. What if that were to happen? Or could it happen? I highly doubt that. But what I'm thinking is Cody Rhodes could be, you know, um, a year away from probably saying I'm done wrestling. And what if he takes over NXT 2.0? Hey, that's a thought. Pun loves the the secret promoter theory. I noticed that because it's not just the last two subjects. It's Years, every time that hey, he loves the secret hey, promoter it, theory. It, 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 I remember when I read on Facebook that, um, that, uh, what's it, Retribution <laughs> was going to be like, sh- uh, like, um, promoter yo, sons. Yo. And he was like, yeah, that will be mad though. <laughs> I thought it was a dope idea too. Back, bro. The, the anonymous GM comes back and they're running, you know, <laughs> Retribution. <laughs> I don't know about Cody running NXT. I like the ROH theory. Me too. I'm still on that ROH theory. WWE still wants to drop their dashing hints and things like that. You know, you still, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. I guess, what, we're two weeks away? We're about two weeks away, aren't we? Yeah. Bro, that's the thing about WrestleMania season. That's the thing yep. about WrestleMania season. It, it's it's all the speculation. It's you never know what's gonna happen. It, you truly don't ever know because of everyone's also in WrestleMania. Mad Legends are in in the same area as WrestleMania because of all the indie shows running. You know me. You know me. I would always pop for a Boogeyman cameo. <laughs> Pun loves the Boogeyman. Pun loves Boogeyman. Well, I guess we'll just have to find out if Cody's going to be there. If Boogeyman's going to be there, we'll have to tune in uh, wrestle to WrestleMania, man. The biggest show of, of pro wrestling, and I still say that even as an independent wrestler, because it is. Without WrestleMania, without WWE, I don't think any of us would be pro wrestlers. Without Scott Hall, a lot of us wouldn't be professional wrestlers. And that's a great segue into... Uh, our main topic is the passing of Scott Hall. This one, this one hit. This one hit. Hit everyone. It did. It hit everyone in our, in, right in our fuse, you know. 
Guys, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I, I, I did cry because we all remember the documentary that made us cry. And but we think of the despite the demons, the personal issues, Scott Hall's career is beyond illustrious because it's an understatement. He's an influence to the business. He's a wrestling more than a legend. There's not enough words to describe just how important and influential he is to the wrestling business. And he was one of those gimmicks. He was one of those gimmicks that worked. Absolutely. Because they were very gimmicky in 94, 93, 95. Oh, yes. Very gimmicky. And he was a gimmick that worked. Reza Ramon, the bad guy. We're going we're gonna to talk about what led to his passing because um, it's just unfortunate. Like, I was hoping he was going to come through uh, because I seen people posting RIP, like, and he was still on, on life support. And it's like, the dude's not dead yet. Like, how are you going to just, you know, like, I'm the fan in me was just like, yo, like, nah, it ain't, it, he's going to pull through. That's the bad guy. He's going to pull through. But he had, uh, I believe it was hip, hip replacement surgery, right? Uh, which led to three heart attacks. Yeah. Yep. And um, it's, it's unfortunate. And he wound up on life support. Kevin Nash had posted on Instagram um, that when his family got their stuff in order, they were going to take him off of life support. And I was like, wow. You could tell that Kevin Nash knew that it was bound to happen once the plugs were pulled. And I think that's why everybody started, you know, making those posts so sudden because Kevin Nash did pretty much indirectly put it out there that this is the end. They're waiting for his whole family to get here. And, you know. Maybe I'm wrong, but there was a report that he wound up like he was breathing. They took him off and he started breathing. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to pull through. You're not wrong. He, he, was, he was alive for like two or three hours after they took him off life. life you know, that's why, that's why I was saying, because um, I've heard of it before where people pull through last, you know, they kick out last second. Uh, I've heard of it, you know, and that's why I found it so disrespectful that people were posting rest in peace, you know, when hours later he was, he was breathing, you know, on his own. So... That's the only reason why I, I guess I took offense to that because I was like, yo, like the dude's not dead yet, you know? You know, and I'm glad you mentioned this because X-Pac actually posted a tweet about it, exactly what you said. I mean, he did say, I know you mean well, but it's, yeah, like not yet, you know? So, you know, and I, I got to be honest, man, it's tough. It's tough. I'm, I am too young to remember the Razor Ramon days, but I've back on the network. I've gone back and watched all the matches. I've gone back and watched his WCW stuff. Like I wasn't there when it happened there because I'm too young, but I saw it. I was really young during the Razor Ramon days. I vaguely remember Razor Ramon, but I do remember when he who he was when he went to WCW. I do. I I knew what the whole story was. Um, I knew of Diesel. I was a Diesel fan and I was a Razor Ramon fan. I always used to do his fucking little entrance and, you know, walk like this. It was, I was a fan of his and um, it's just, it's just sad, man. Um, And 
a lot of it, a lot of his problems ha had to do with, um, I would say, the effects of the business. And um, I was sure. watching the Razor Ramon Living on Razor's Edge documentary last night on Peacock. And uh, X-Pac, Sean Waltman, had said something. He said, um, it's not the business that brings you baggage. You bring your baggage to the business. You know, like you, you, you get into the business with your baggage. It's just how you deal with that that brings on more baggage. And I agree and disagree with that. Um, I agree uh, that a lot, I notice a lot of us wrestlers have a lot of um, childhood trauma. And we that's before we even become mm -hmm. wrestlers. Now it's the um, dealing with acceptance and you have to please everybody and you feel like you have to be this, this, this person that you have in your mind. And you have to be that person and you mix that with your trauma and you find ways to deal with your problems. And we all, we all find our own ways. Some are healthy, some are unhealthy and you mix all that together. And it just, you know, I, so I agree that with that, but I also agree the pressures of the business also, you know, bring on more, you know, it's, you know, it's not just the baggage we bring in. It's, the baggage we bring in and then the baggage we're holding on to while trying to take on this more more baggage it's just more baggage after baggage this shit it it's yeah it affects you mentally and physically and it affects all of us and it's you see it through a lot of legends when they pass away and you hear about the stories of how they dealt with their problems in the 80s and the 90s and you see this pattern and that that pattern still goes to today when you hear of wrestlers passing it's it's the baggage you know you don't know you don't yeah. i could work yeah i could work sure, with sure. somebody in the ring and work a feud with them and not know what they've been through what they're going through and what's being put onto them now you know like you you don't understand what what the what the next person is going through you know, not everybody I wrestle is pun where I know them like the back of my hand. I can be cool with somebody. They, there's people I, I, I would I would die for. I still don't know their full story, their traumas, you know. And that's on them to, to, to say, you know. You know, I'm sure drugs and alcohol are still running wild through all wrestling locker rooms. I'm sure 67 to 80, 90s problems, early 2000 problems haven't ended, you know. It's just, you know, it doesn't start to affect people until they stop wrestling on a consistent basis. When their bodies start to slow down, when their adrenaline isn't pumping every day, you know? So that's why we hear these things. We're starting to hear these things now with so many legends that recently passed. And, you know, we're going to hear it in the future, unfortunately, because there's going to be other legends that pass, and they're going to pass mighty young, and we're going to be like, damn. You know, another one lost young. On on the drugs and the alcohol, um, I think it's still around. Um, I just think the difference between the eighties and nineties is it's not open. You know, it's you don't talk. You know, nobody knows who does what. But 
somebody's got somebody's doing something you know i, I you know everybody knows me everybody knows me yep, i yep, like the party exactly i'm open about my party um because i just you know that's just how i you're, am. you're the only one everybody but everybody it's not like that it. anymore you know what i mean like have had i been a wrestler in the 80s and the 90s 100 percent, i would have been fitting right into there bro but um you don't hear about it and it's not out that's there you should have been wrestling and that's the difference either it's silent or it's it's very rare so we we just talked about the effects of the business on a pro wrestler now let's talk about scott hall's influence on the business he made wanting to be a pro wrestler cool you know what we had back then we had the hulk hogan's we, we really had all these just muscle big guys razor ramon was a big guy he was muscles but he was he was cool you know he made wrestling cool he made wrestling fun that like with me growing up, he's the first real gimmick I remember as a kid. Razor Ramon debuted in 1992. I was eight years old, so he's the first real gimmick in my head that I could say, you know, ooh, that's cool. That looks fun. I want to do this. You know, he he always made it look fun. He always made it look like he enjoyed what he did each and every time he walked through the curtain. A hundred percent. Big time. If it wasn't for Scott Hall, um, not only would we have the NWO, there wouldn't be guaranteed contracts. There would be no Crow Sting. That was a Scott Hall idea. Scott Hall was so creative, and he helped a lot of people in the business. And there's something about Scott Hall from the documentary and the stories I've heard that he was the nicest guy to everybody but himself. And there's something I'm noticing about myself also as I get older that I, and a lot of other pro wrestlers I know is where we could be the greatest people to everybody else. And you, the fans could love us. It's hard for us to love ourselves. And I noticed that about a lot of wrestlers and it, it's it, Scott Hall. Uh, I don't think he really, knew how much he really influenced the, the business and how many people modeled their characters or their mannerisms after Scott Hall or the Razor Ramon character yep. or the Diamond Stud yep. character from WCW, you know? Which was not, not far off from Razor Ramon. It was pre-Razor Ramon, you know? Yeah, yeah. The it gimmicks the weren't draft. too far different. It was yep, yep, it was the rough draft. <laughs> Razor Ramon just, just gave the gimmick character. That's all. You know, he, he had more of a voice when he became Razor Ramon. Chico. Did, didn't Diamond Stud, like, always have a manager? Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page was his manager. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most influential, important things about Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, was that he made it cool to be the bad guy. He proved that bad guys are cool too, baby. Some of my favorite memories of pro wrestling are from Scott Hall or the Razor Ramon character. Um, and we're going to talk about some of our favorite memories now. You know, I, I got to go back to him making X-Pac, Sean Waltman, one, two, three, kid, a star. 
You know, I, I got to go back to that right off the back. That moonsault off the rope, Xbox's uh, foot bouncing off his head, the one, two, three. In that five seconds, he made Sean Waltman a star. And that's, you know, one of my favorite memories of him. Well, in my case, anybody asked me, because I was asked my favorite match, I, I always challenge myself, well, aside from the two ladder matches, my favorite Razor Ramon match has to be against Bret Hart for the w, w, the WWF title at the, at the 1993 Royal Rumble. That's one of the great great matches, too, of his career. That That is definitely my favorite uh, Razor Ramon-Scott Hall match. Shawn Michaels, any match he really worked with, one, two, three, kid. Uh, Shawn Michaels, these are when he worked with the Click. Those were like some of the best matches he's he's had. Now we're talking about matches. Now, as far as promos goes, I think the the best one is the Hall of Fame speech. I mean that you, you there's nothing that can beat out of that because, in my honest opinion, there's no such thing as a bad Razor Ramon slash Scott Hall promo. They're all amazing. They're all unique. And, and technically, though, the Hall of Fame speech isn't a promo. You know. I mean, that is, you know, the, a heartfelt moment of him wrapping up his career. But, you know, he's cut promos for all his libraries. I mean, some of his promos when he was going against Shawn Michaels going into WrestleMania 10 were, were fucking phenomenal. Were incredible, which is, that's also another one of my favorite Scott Hall matches when he became the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. A lot of people sleep on Scott Hall versus Austin at WrestleMania. I think that it was a great match for him at that point of his career where he was, what he's been through, what his body's been through. I think that was a good match. I, I enjoyed that match as well. I just believe that our expectations were higher because we expected him to be on top level. And at that point in his career, he, he wasn't. Yeah, but... As as me and you being in the business, you should have expected it. You know the drugs and alcohol at that point had did a number on him. You already know this. You know, this comeback wasn't going to be Razor Ramon-esque. It wasn't going to be NWO 1996 through, through 2000. It wasn't going to be that. By this time, we know he was a, a shell of a man who he used to be, and he hasn't gotten together with DDP yet. So, but I enjoyed the match. I thought it was an entertaining match. He didn't look as bad as a lot of the dirt sheets made it seem. I thought he looked. I'll tell you, I honest, I honestly don't remember the match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really? And you're looking at me that way, and I knew you would. I, I'm gonna go back I and watch just, it tonight. I just seen it recently. That's why I brought that match up. I I don't remember the match, and I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of feel eh about the match because. I, other than the Stone Cold Stunner at the end, I think that's that bump, all I remember that, from the match. That, that bump was fucking beautiful, man. Beautiful. That's what I'm saying. I just remember that that bump. The sell of the first one where he didn't even fall and he just, you know, wobbled like a big man. And then that bump on that second one. I, I, I loved the, the match, the story in the match. I thought he did well for what he has been through at that uh, at that moment. You know, I, I, I found it to be a really great match. We were all remember. We're also six six years in difference in age, so I was what maybe eleven, twelve around that, that time. Not, that was like WrestleMania, what seventeen or nineteen, 18. right? Eighteen. Eight, 
18, 18, 18. I thought that was that was, oh yeah, Rocket Hogan, that WrestleMania. Yeah. That, it was in Toronto. Eighteen. It, it was in Toronto. Yeah, I thought I thought that wasn't a bad match, man. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, Kevin Nash at that time was a different story. Watching him wrestle, you know, made made your eyes water. I enjoyed his promos leading up to his debut. Oh, at at the beach, the car. At the restaurant, yeah. The, the Razor Ramon vignettes. They were, they, oh man, that's what made 90s wrestling the shit, yo. Everybody got vignettes before they debuted. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is that the gimmick came about 10 years after the movie that influenced the gimmick came. We all, we all, we all know that. Yeah, I'm surprised that. Vince McMahon had never seen Scarface. Well, <laughs> I mean,. Right? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Vince McMahon, ever since he took over the business, I mean, he's probably never been to a movie. He's probably never been to a grocery store. <laughs> he's probably like... <laughs> By the age of 12, when that WrestleMania 18 match happened, okay? I didn't know about Scott Hall's problems, but I knew I had already watched Starfish. Okay? <laughs> That's true. At 12 years old, you didn't know that that he's been through a lifetime of drugs and alcohol. I can see that. I yeah. can see that. So you're, you're, you're... But I knew about drugs and alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you didn't know that all your favorite wrestlers were doing it. The struggles in the life of, Str- of, of Scott Hall is, again, another example of the brutality of the wrestling business. The wrestling business has a lot of effect on you emotionally, spiritually. It's also person it's also choice. A lot of it has to do with choice. It's not just a business because there's a lot of guys that prosper. There's a lot of guys that wind up healthy and wind up better than ever and they they have longer runs. And you know, but again, it comes down to yeah. past demons and and for, and for present example, demons. there's Rick Flair. You know Rick Flair has been around the block more than both of us combined, Rex. All right? And look how long he was able to wrestle with all the drugs and alcohol he's probably done in the 70s, 80s, 90s. So, I mean, some people's bodies react to it differently than others. And, you know, that that's just the way life is. It's just the way life is. Because, you know, Ric Flair wasn't, you know, shy about what he's done in the past. That's all, you know, public knowledge. But that man was able to wrestle for 40 years. So that says something about his body and, you know, his internal organs. They were able to handle what he was doing. His body, you know, didn't get affected as much as others, you know, that have passed away early from drugs and alcohol. I mean, it's sad the number of wrestlers that have passed away from drugs. One of my uh, favorite indie wrestlers, a guy that unfortunately I didn't get to spend too much time with because he passed shortly after I started in the business, um, or was starting in the business. Uh, Trent Acid, you know, um, he died from a, a drug overdose, and you know that that hit me because he I I modeled like my whole thing like after him, you know he. <laughs> Trent Acid was one one of one of my idols. Um, a lot of wrestlers from the eighties and nineties are now starting to pass away. 
And it's like, I remember Pun's Facebook post where, um, like, his, when you said your childhood yeah. torn apart. Scott Hall, you know, was, was the first, like I said, gimmick that I remember that wasn't, you know, a body guy, you know. He was, he, it wasn't a Montour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was machismo. It was charisma. And then, you know, I was a fan of the Rockers. So, you know, when Shawn Michaels turned, I, I became a Shawn Michaels fan. <laughs> and that was all back then. Part of my childhood is just slipping away every time I, I turn around on the internet. You, you're hearing somebody else that you grew up watching is sick or is in the hospital. So sad that, that this is happening because they're so young. You know, a lot of them are between their 40s and, and early 60s, and, and they shouldn't be passing away yet. This is when they should be really celebrating their life and, you know. That mentoring and, you know, like that, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I like about AEW is it's kind of, they, they're giving these older legends a, a chance to to help younger guys, you know, with their coaches. They, you really don't hear about too many of the guys that they have as coaches. But think about it. Dean Malenko is a coach. Arn Anderson's a coach. Billy Gunn's a coach. Jerry Lynn's a coach. I mean, so it's... it's DDP. DDP's a coach. <laughs> it's all these guys that are that you can learn from over there, you know? You know, he's getting gave us a lot of great memories. Honestly, I think before we end the show, maybe we do a little moment of silence for him. I think, you know, let's, let's go ahead with, with a moment of silence, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And um, if you have any memories of Scott Hall that, that you'd like to share, you could definitely find us on Twitter and Facebook at Rest With A Bear. That's W-R-E-S-W-I-T-H-A-B-E-A-R. Rest With A Bear. Pun, why don't you lead us out? All right, everybody. Thank you once again for having the host of all hosts, John Punt, here. Everybody that's listening, you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and Pain Train Pipe Bomb Productions on Spreaker. Also, we are now on the Daily Smart app exclusively on Apple phones. You can find us there, the Daily Smart app. And don't forget, you can also purchase official Wrestling with a Bear merchandise at watermaneuver.net. John Pun has spoken. Bearman, tell them where, the, where they can find you on social media. 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at Bearman of Texas. Just TX. You don't have to spell it out. You can find me there. You can also find the Bear of Texas podcast as well. I'm open to any ideas you have for this show or for my shows at all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all so very much. And you can find me on all social media platforms at R-E-X Wrestles, Rex Wrestles, that's R-E-X Wrestles. Pun, where can they find you? I am also on Twitter at John Pun. You know, simple J-O-N-P-U-N-N, and that is the same thing for Instagram, at John Pun. Thank you for supporting us. As always, be excellent to each other, and keep supporting pro wrestling. 